Um, great, so if you've got your Bibles, please turn with me to the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. I uh, want to speak about Jesus, really, over the next few weeks. That's a good subject, hey? You know, isn't it amazing that actually uh, Jesus has made a way for us, that actually our lives are different because of who he is. And so I want us to look and just uh, over the next maybe two months, July and August, uh, isn't it amazing that it's July? Anybody a little bit freaked out that it's July already? Um, You know, it's just uh, exciting, isn't it? And so we're just going to look a little bit at uh, who Jesus is and and what the Bible has to say about him and try and refresh our understanding of the the purpose of the Lord's work, why he came, and what it means to us. You know, um, Paul says in the book of Corinthians, Jews demand signs, Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. I like that. We preach Christ crucified. We preach Jesus. At the end of the day, that's all we have. You know, friends, we're not here today because I have some wise words to say to you about how to live your life. There are other people who know more than me. I know that's a shock. We're not here today because I I have some mystical power that I can impart to you and make everybody good-looking, wealthy, and healthy. Because if we were, there'd be a lot more people here, and some of you would look different. (laughs) Say, he's talking to you, not me, today. Okay. We're not here because uh, I can give counseling about and coaching about how you can get the most out of life, although the Bible's full of wisdom in that respect. But that's not the reason we're here. We're not here because um, it's the best place to be on a Sunday morning. We're here because Jesus Christ has made a difference in our lives. Friends, that's it. You know, that's it. That's the starting place and that's the ending place. The Bible says he's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Everything that we do is about Jesus Christ and what he's done in our lives. And therefore, we have to come and say, you know what? We preach Christ. The writers of the New Testament are clear. They're not there just to bring a little bit of wisdom or a little bit of insight. They're there to tell people to believe in Jesus. John 20 verse 31. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Wow, what a claim. Friends, if that's true, friends, listen to me. If that's true, everything changes on the basis of that statement. If Jesus is alive and he is the Messiah, the Son of God who died for me, everything changes. How we live our lives changes. What we look for changes. How we go through life changes because actually it's the most important message ever. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. He's the Messiah, the Lamb of God, the Son of Man, the Son of God, the brighter morning star. You could go on all morning just with the names that the Bible talk about Jesus. And so what I'm saying to you today, friends, is how is your heart towards Christ? Listen, some of us, we come to faith in Christ, and then it's all about us. It's about what Jesus will do for us. But the truth is, it's all about him. It's all about who he is and what he has done and what he works in our lives through his grace. And so I want us to pick it up, just maybe one of my favorite little passages about Jesus that Paul writes in, in, one Coloss- in, sorry, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, says this, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him 
All things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Wow! Come on, that's some passage, isn't it? You know, sometimes we read these passages and we, we kind of gloss over them. Man, that's a big passage of the Bible. He is the image of the invisible God. Wow! All of a sudden, Paul is saying, come on guys, it's like, I love Paul, because he kind of gets carried away, doesn't he? As he starts to write about Jesus, he starts to get carried away. It starts to kind of well up within him and he starts to describe Jesus. And he says he is the image of the invisible God. Wow, that's a big statement right there. But that's just the start, isn't it? Then he starts to go on. The firstborn over all creation. I don't know about you, but then all of a sudden I'm struggling. I'm going, okay, my head's just disconnected. I'm trying to get hold of who God is. What do you mean firstborn over all creation? It's a bit big for me. It's out of my world. I'm like, okay. And then he carries on, doesn't he? I could just read this passage all morning, to be perfectly frank. For in him all things were created. All of a sudden, Jesus, the Son of God, the one who's walked among them, he's now saying, he's the image of God. He's there to present him. And everything comes from him. I tell you, friends, we need to take hold again, we really do, of the person of Jesus Christ. We need to lift up who Jesus is in our world. We need to lift up who Jesus is in our lives because so often the perspective of our lives and our relationship with God is really about um, what Jesus will do for me as I live today. Friends, that's the wrong focus. The wrong focus is what Christ has done for me and what it secures for me in eternity. The rest is just here and there, friends. Because the one they says... <laughs> um, that your light and momentary troubles are, are, are securing for you an eternal reward that far outweighs them all. Either that's crazy or it's true. Hello? Either the stuff that we have to go through in this life, these three score years and 10 or 20 or whatever you get, that, that the struggles that we go, that, that so often be the focus of our lives. But you see, the focus of the church is not the struggle. The focus of the church is Jesus. The focus of your life isn't the pain. The focus of your life is the one who brings an end to pain and brings you into eternity. That's the the purpose of the church. That's the focus. That's the view that we have to have. And so Paul starts to unpack this for us, the supremacy of the Son of God. And he wants us to try and lift our vision. You know, it says that in the psalmist, lift up your heads and see who Jesus is today. I want you to lift up your heads and think about Christ again. I know you're here because you're believing. I know you're here because you love him. I know you're here because you've met with him. But I want you to lift up your head today and say, okay, Lord, I need a fresh revelation of you today that secures my life, 
that, that, that speaks to me about what I'm about and, and what I'm going to do. And so I want to try and unpack really what um, Paul says to us about Jesus here in this passage. First thing he says to us is Jesus is how God reveals himself in our world. I want you to think about that. You know, before Jesus came, we only knew of God things from a distance. If you read the Old Testament, what we discover is a God who was fearsome, a God who was almighty, a God who revealed himself through the prophets and who revealed himself through thunder and lightning, a God who, who revealed himself, but it was in an awesome way. You know, if you read the Old Testament and you say, you know, and uh, the, the Israelites gathered at the foot of the mountain and Moses said, don't tell them to come up the mountain because if they step on the mountain, they will die. Many of you, many of you would be here in church next week. Don't come too close to the platform because if you step on the platform, you will die. Because the presence of God. Is so, see, we are very familiar with the presence of God now, aren't we? It's wonderful. But for the, old, uh, for, for, for the people before Jesus came, the presence of God was so awesome, they couldn't even come close. The, the revelation of God was so different. And in the temple, only one man, the high priest, could go into the presence of God one day in the year. And then he had a cord tied around his foot in case his ungodliness caused him to be smoked down. How many of you would come this morning if you were going to be smoked down for your ungodliness? I'll tell you, I'll be at the back, pushing Matthew forward. Off you go, Matt. It's your day, mate. Enjoy yourself. <laughs> See, our revelation of God as a father has come through Jesus. Our revelation as, of God as a gracious God who loves us and cares for us has come through Jesus. Our revelation of God as someone who doesn't condemn us, but someone who pours out grace and mercy in our lives has come through Jesus. Without Jesus, friends, we wouldn't know any of that. We would just be at the mountain, at the bottom of the mountain, saying, please, God, don't kill me for my sin. Please, God, would you accept me as I offer something of myself afresh? It would be a total different relationship. And Jesus came to reveal to us the Father. Jesus said to his disciples, he who has seen me has seen the Father. And they tried to kill him for saying that. Because he was saying to them, listen, once you've understood who I am, once you've come into contact with who I am, then actually you're beginning to understand who God is. Wow, what an amazing claim. And we read in the scripture that actually those eternal attributes were his. It says all things were created by him. John 1 verse 1 to 3, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Wow, here we go again. And that says this, without him, through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Here it is, friends. Now, I know some of us, we know this, we're very familiar with it. So I want to say to you, this revelation of who Jesus is has to do something in our lives. He's the creator of the world. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Why? Because the creator of the world came into the world and gave himself for the sins of the world, for you and me. The Bible then says he holds all things together. Colossians says he holds. I love that, don't you? See, some of us think we're falling apart. I tell you, friends, the Lord's holding us together. Some of us think the world is falling apart. I tell you, friends, the Lord is holding it together. The Lord is at work. 
Hebrews, again, tells us this. The sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. I tell you, friends, you see, it's important for us to get our theology about Jesus Christ right. Jesus Christ is not just some historical character who, who did great things. He's the son of God. And he sustains life by his word. Isn't that amazing? I tell you, friends, it's good, isn't it? See, that's why we're in church this morning singing songs of worship. That's why we're here gathering before God. Because Jesus has come to reveal the Father to us. And he's come as someone who sustains the world by himself. Thirdly, it says, he has all the fullness of God in him. The testimony of the scriptures was that Jesus was fully God and fully man. That he was like us, yet God was in him. He was God. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine waking up? Just knowing that you were tired and hot, just a bit like most of us are today, but that God was alive in you. Wow. That actually, he was God himself. Come down to the earth. And all of a sudden, we said, from the fullness, all of the fullness of God was in him. The, again, John's gospel said, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us and we have seen his glory the glory of the one and only son who who came from the father full of grace and truth it says in the uh, in the message translation god moved into the neighborhood what a lovely image that jesus came and it's his coming that helps us understand that God wants to reveal himself to the world. What we know about him comes from Jesus coming among us. And so this distant, unknowable God, who could only be known through the revelation of the scripture and the prophet, we start to see in this person of Jesus. He bridges the gap between God and man. He shows us that Jesus doesn't condemn a fallen world but he seeks to bring life to it. Isn't that amazing? See, I, I, I think we need to remember more and more what Jesus has done for us. I think it needs to be at the forefront of our minds. I think we need to see our lives through this image of the invisible God who reveals himself to us in Christ Jesus. Because when you're feeling overwhelmed and doubting the love of God for you, you need to look at Jesus Christ and understand what he's done. When you're feeling frightened and fearful and life seeks to press in on you, or you feel powerless and able, unable to face the situation, you need to look at Jesus Christ and understand that he has made a way for you. It's who he is. That word image is the word that we use, icon. It means a representation. He's come to reveal the Father to you. And so when we come into the situations of our lives, when we don't know what's going on, when it seems that we have no understanding of the the, the decisions that we've made that have led us to a place that we didn't want to go, we come back and we understand from Jesus that God has a plan for our lives and that he's working it out in us. I was thinking as we were singing this morning, about the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. And I don't know you, but you know, we've had a lot of theological talk about reckless. Is God reckless in his love? And then I remember that scripture that says, he left the 99 behind to go out looking for the one 
It seems a bit reckless. It, it, it seems a bit disproportionate. Well, I've got 99. Surely one doesn't really matter. And yet Jesus said he left the 99 to go for the one. Wow. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending love of God. Who taught us that about God? Jesus did. Because the Old Testament would say, we can lose the one as long as the rest are okay. Jesus says, actually, the one is so important that I've come from heaven to show you the Father's love towards his people. He came to reveal what God has done for us. Second thing, he is, he, Jesus is God's plan to make peace with his creation. For God was pleased, it says in verse 19 of Colossians 1, to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Wow. All of a sudden Paul says, I want you to see Jesus didn't come just to reveal the Father. Jesus was sent by the Father to restore a relationship with men and women. He came to reconcile us. He came to destroy that which had divided us and God. And all of a sudden we enter into this world of of big terms and doctrines. But actually what it's saying is we were separated from God and Jesus came to bridge the gap. Aren't you glad Jesus has brought you into the Father's house? You hear me sing it in my father's house. You know, why is that? Because of Jesus. Without Jesus, friends, you'd have no chance to be in the father's house. I'm not even sure you get in my house. Come on. But through Jesus, we come boldly into the Father's house. Why? Because all of a sudden, he's done that. He's reconciled us. Now, what does that mean for us? It means two things. One, we were separated from God. Colossians 1, you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. We preach Christ because Christ is the one who brought us back to God. Friends, I, I know many of you know this, but you know what? I think some of us forget it when we leave church. I think we walk about all week, just, oh, 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 oh. oh, God, do this. Our friends, we need to go and start to say, you know what, Lord, thank you that in my Father's house is a place for me because of what you've done. Thank you, Lord, that I was, once was lost, but now that I'm found. Thank you, Lord, that once I was dead, but now I'm alive, and it changes everything about my perspective in life. We need to, re, uh, we need to re-energize the church with confidence in the work of Christ on the cross. Friends, we do. It burns in me. Honestly, it's becoming a theme in my life. I just, I'm going to bore you rigid with it for the next, well, I was going to say a few months, but it might just carry on. Because until we're carrying it in our lives, friends, we're, we're vulnerable to being sighed and swatted by all kinds of circumstances. Friends, it's the blood of Jesus that changes us. See, the Bible says that we were lost in our sin and transgressions. People want to say, well, you know, it doesn't matter. They want to play down the work of the cross. They say it's an unfortunate end to a great life. Friends, it's not. It's a necessary end to redemption of the world. Because unless the cross of Christ is there, you are paying for your sin. And the only price that can be paid is your eternal death. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friends, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it's the power of God for salvation who believes. There's some people in here today, you need to put your trust in Christ Jesus because unless uh, you put your trust in him, you're going to be separated from God. It's separation is still there. It's part of who you are. It's what is going on. 
The testimony of the scriptures says this, that Christ died once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. You see, he made peace through offering himself, through offering himself to deal with the separation of the world from God. He made peace through the sacrifice of himself so that we could be brought near. The Bible says there is nothing that we could do that is righteous. You know, sometimes we need to remember that, don't we? When we look down on other people who are more unrighteous than we are in our heads. Jesus said, actually, there's, even your righteousness is, is just filthy rags. Even the good stuff that you do is not, is not enough. See, it's not enough to get into heaven. I remember hearing somebody say it like this. If, if, uh, if, the, if the, stat, the pass rate is 100% and I get 20% and you get 60%, guess what? We both still failed. You might be better than me, mate, but, but you're still not in. And there are a lot of people who are better than me, but it's not about whether you're better than me or I'm better than you. It's whether Jesus Christ has opened up a way for us. Because I was outside of the kingdom of God. That's why we're going to sing that song again at the end, Who the Sun Sets Free. Because I don't know about you today, but I'm excited about being free. I'm a child of God. Why am I a child of God? Because Jesus Christ came and he bridged the gap. He looked at the separation of mankind and said, I'm going to do something about that. He has made peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but we need to understand he's reconciled us. He's brought us close. Sometimes we forget that in the busyness of our days. I'm a child of God. I'm who, who he says I am. I, I, I was once far away. Sometimes in our sin and our failure, we forget that it's all been dealt with. Anybody sinned this week? Just two of you. <laughs> you see, we need to remind ourselves, we're not here because we're better than anybody. We're here because we understand we're sinful. We don't come close this morning because we feel we've had a good week and we can bring God a little trophy of our grace and our goodness. We come this morning because actually without him, we have nothing. Without him, we couldn't come close. Without him, we wouldn't know that the Father loved us. And he's chosen to reveal it in his son who walked on earth and who came to the poor and the despised and embraced them and said, there's a place for you in the, in, in the, in the house of heaven. He came to those who were poor and despised and welcomed them. He came to those who were sinful and guilty and he welcomed them. He came to those who were lost and confused and he welcomed them. The only people he had a hard time with were the religious. That's funny, isn't it? The people who thought they were okay and didn't need anybody. He had quite a lot to say to them. But for all those whom God will call, there's a, there's a door open. And Jesus comes to bring reconciliation, to bring peace to us. Book of Hebrews says this, he came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who were near. I don't know about you, but, but we're all involved in that, that little description. Some of us were far away, some of us were near, but actually he's made peace for all of us. It's important, isn't it? That we don't, we don't just kind of like uh, uh, let it go to... See, Paul comes again and again to these themes. We're going to look at them over the next few weeks. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn. Understand it, put it into your heart. Thirdly, Jesus is how we enter into new life. I love that. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are new creations. The old has gone, 
the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We preach Christ today because Christ raises people to life. He raises us to life. What an amazing hope we have. What an amazing joy it is to be a child of God. You know, how, how much we need to rejoice in that. You know, uh, uh, you know, we spend a lot of our teaching here and trying to help people follow Jesus and live for him. But sometimes we just need to strip it back and say, you know what, what, what is it that we're holding on to today? What is the anchor for your soul, friends? Is it how great life is? Is it what you have? Is it what God does for you? Or is it Jesus Christ, the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, in our church today, and even this year, it's been a testing year for many people. For many, many people. We've, we've wept, we've prayed, we've, we've supported, we've asked God, what's going on, God? Just as it is most years, actually. And the answer to that has to be, Lord, my faith is in you. My hope is in you, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And so Jesus comes and he leads us into new life. It says we've been made holy and free from accusation. I don't know about you, but I love those two things. Holy and free from accusation. See, it's one thing to be holy you know, to say, well, I'm set apart by God. Isn't that wonderful? But actually, it also says, free from accusation. Who can bring any charge against those who God loves? What can separate us from the love of God? I don't know about you, friends, but I, I, I sometimes think, well, I might be set apart, but I'm not sure I'm free from accusation. I think people could accuse me of stuff in my life, don't you? You ever, get, you ever look in the mirror and think, oh man, if anybody ever found out that about me, my little pastoral crown would slip very quickly. Because we all know what we're like, don't we? Just me. We all know what it is to, to sin and let go down. We all know what it is to, to make a pledge to God and then fail and have to come back repentant. We all know we're not good enough, friends. But you see, the Bible says we're not just holy, we're free from accusation. See, the devil can't bring a charge against us, friends. When the devil starts to speak to you about your failures and your faults, friends, you just remind them, actually, you know what? Jesus Christ has died on a cross to reconcile me and to give me peace with God. And so therefore, I'm not going to allow you to steal my peace anymore. Because I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Some of us need to remind ourselves that during the day, don't we? I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Comes as a bit of a shock, doesn't it? I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Because we can just be all struggling with stuff. And God wants to lead us into life. I want to say today, and I, I just think it's really important. Listen, people aren't condemned because of what they do. They're condemned already. Because they're sinful. Sin came into the world. And we've all been sinful since. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We can't look at anybody and say, oh, they're terrible. They deserve to be condemned. Friends, we're all condemned. I say to people, listen, when you get to heaven, you're not being condemned for what you've done because that's already condemnation. It's already there. You'll be judged for it. What actually you'll be condemned for is because you didn't do anything with Jesus Christ. 
Jesus said, who do the people say that I am? That's the most important question in life. Who do people say Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is this morning? Because I'm saying to you, Jesus is the one who came to reveal how much God loves the world. He's the one who came to make peace between God and men. He came to take away the guilt and the punishment for sin, and he atoned for it by dying on the cross for the sins of the world. That's who I say he is. And so the issue is not whether you'll be punished for, for your sin. That's already established. You're already guilty of that. Because we're all no, we all know we're sinful, don't we? Or is it just me? Just me, Dave, Julia says. <laughs> we, we all know we've blown it. We all know that actually I, I can come off great beside someone else, but there's always somebody who makes me look like I've messed up. We're all guilty. There is no one righteous, not one, the Bible says. And so our only hope is not what we've done, but our hope is what Jesus has done for us. I'm telling you this morning, I'm preaching this good old-fashioned message. We preach Christ. Jesus is how we come into new life. This is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Wow. Couldn't get any more simple than that. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever doesn't have the Son has not life. Simple message for us today. He is the image of the invisible God. This is the life that Jesus offers to us. He reveals God to the world and he shows them his love and his grace. He makes peace between God and man and he makes a way that we can come and be reconciled to him He offers up to us new life. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. This is how you come into the life of God. We preach Christ today. The revelation of God, the reconciler of sin, the resurrection, and the life. So what's our response to that today? It says here, Christ, now he has reconciled you to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. Friends, we need to remind ourselves today that we're called to walk by faith in Christ Jesus. There's so many other things that come into our lives. There's so many other challenges and I understand that and I appreciate that. But actually... The old hymn writer said, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. It's on Christ, the solid rock, I stand. You know, it's an old-fashioned message. We preach Christ. Foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, Christ, the power and the wisdom of God. And so I want to urge you today, in the situations of your life, in the challenges that are coming and that will come and that are part of what we walk through in life. And I know we'd all wish that they didn't come to us, but they do. I want to urge you to lift up your eyes and to look at the one who came to reveal the Father's love 
to you. The one who came to show you that God loves you above all things. And Paul says this, continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out. I want you to know, friends, that not moving is your choice. Things can try and push you, but you have to say, no, I will not move from my faith in Christ Jesus. Things will overwhelm you and challenge you. You say, no, I will not move from my faith in Christ Jesus because I believe that he came to reconcile me to God and this is where I'll stand in him and in faith in him. I wonder would the band come back. Let's pray. <laughs> it's a simple message this morning. But I just want to encourage the people of God this morning with the gospel. I just want to remind you this morning that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, that our faith is in him. Our faith isn't in men. Our faith isn't in church. Our faith isn't in what God can do for us. Our faith is in what Jesus has done already by bringing us eternal life through his blood shed on the cross. So I want to say to you, my brothers and sisters, don't let anything move you from your hope in the gospel. Don't let other circumstances rob you. I know that's hard. I'm not, I'm not minimizing your pain. I'm not minimizing the challenges. I, I, I understand that. I walk through these things with people and, and myself. I'm just saying, let's recognize the most precious thing we have in life is our faith in Christ Jesus. It's strong enough to bring us into eternity. It's a revelation of God for us. God is not a distant, angry God today who's just concerned with judging. God is our Father in heaven who loves us and wants us to know his grace and his mercy. That's what Jesus teaches us. And he's opened a way for us. And so before we go any further this morning, I just want to maybe give an opportunity. Maybe you're in the house today, and this is a new message to you you've never heard. It put quite like this, that God loves you and has made a way through his son Jesus that you might come to know him would you put your faith in Christ Jesus this morning? Even as we just are coming to the end of our service, if that's you, say, Dave, I, I want to believe in Christ Jesus this morning. I, I want to enter into that peace with God. And just as our heads are bowed, just I want you to slip your hand up and say, Dave, please pray for me. Is there anybody in the house this morning? Okay. It's a message of hope. Thank you. Please stand with me. Father, I want to pray, Lord, over my brothers and sisters today. Lord, that we would stand firm, Lord, in the faith. Lord, there are many challenges. Lord, there are many things that would, Lord, make us look away, Father. Make us, uh, Lord, be distracted. Make us overwhelm us, Lord. But I thank you, Lord Jesus, that, Lord, you've come and reconciled us with God. That we might enter into the hope of eternal life through faith. And so today, Lord, we put our trust in you. We put our hope in you, Lord. We declare, Lord, that we are yours and that nothing will separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. 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 We're going to-